we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Urgency of Change. This week's episode is Krishnamurti in conversation with David Bohm, entitled A Feeling for Something Sacred. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK. For more information about activities and programmes at Brockwood, such as the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre, Brockwood Park School, and more about the Foundation, please visit our website at kfoundation.org. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. David Bohm's contact with Krishnamurti began in the early 60s and continued into the 80s. Their dialogues are far-reaching and profound. Over 30 of these audio and videos are available on our YouTube channel and are published in the books Truth and Actuality, The Transformation of Man and The Ending of Time. Recorded in 1981 in Ojai, California, this conversation explores the sacred, with Krishnamurti saying that there is a sacred origin which gives one tremendous passion and energy. He asks, is anyone willing to abandon totally everything that thought has created, including the me? Is it possible to live a daily life in the modern world without any identification? How am I to educate myself, to have no shocks of any kind? Only a brain free from shocks can find the origin. The brain must always be in a state of movement without identification, like a river. Then it cannot be shocked. What would you like he and I discuss? I would like to find out why humanity has lost, it appears to me, a total lack of or they have no feeling for something sacred. Why? I mean that one may not like that word sacred. Something far greater than all the 
structure and all the complexity of thought. What religions have put out is not sacred. Mm. If if there is not that feeling, I think humanity is lost. That's what my I feel that very strongly. Yes. Well, on the other hand, most people are satisfied to stay in this more limited realm. Yes, of course. But that doesn't answer the question. They are limited. They are they are pleasure-seeking, limited. They would prefer unreality. They would prefer something artificial and not go very deep. They're all the obvious signs of all that. I think, you know, one has to go further. Say, Some people feel they're more serious, like if we saw this uh, shuttle ship which uh, has just landed. See, people have put a lot of energy and devotion into that. They, they may, have. They may feel that that, that to them is what, uh, you know, that that uh, order and structure I know. is and hap- thousands of people have cooperated to produce an excellent yes. thing. Yes. Now, what would be your feeling about that? No, that's not sacred. Good God. Yes. No, but I mean, nobody says it's sacred, but uh, people feel that that might be one of their their purpose in life. They say the people who worked on that project could feel... I don't see much difference between those people who have put together the spaceship and those who have put together computers or the motor car or the aeroplane. Mm-hmm. I don't see much difference between all that. Is it, I'm just inquiring, is it those religions that are, <clears throat> that are dominated by a book, like the Bible, the Quran? Well, but even, yes. Yeah, so. they, as they are predominant in the world, hmm. and therefore bigotry, narrowness, and intolerance. Whereas in India, for example, I'm only <coughs> pointing out there were several books here they consider sacred, so you can play with them all. Yeah, but it doesn't seem to make much difference. Not much difference. That's no, what I'm. Uh, of course not. And, uh, so why? Well, I think that we follow historically that uh, these religions have preempted the field of the sacred up to a point, and then people began to turn against them because they were corrupt and 
they weren't working, and they had the more the age of reason during the in Europe during the 18th century. It gave rise to science and technology and to industrialization. Yeah, industry. That, that has science, technology, and industry have uh, absorbed people's minds. And uh, there was the period when people thought progress, indefinite progress, would be possible. <laughs> yes, Victorian. Yes, I know. And uh, much of this remains, you see. So, I think uh, people feel that the whole notion of the sacred leads nowhere. Many people feel. No, they've why more or less given it why up. Why should it lead anywhere? No, but or at least it doesn't have. Well, let's try to put it differently. That they feel that it doesn't have anything in it. You see that. <laughs> quite, quite. Uh, that. <laughs> quite. Uh, uh, it has no really monetary value or profit. It doesn't bring a profit, and it doesn't. Well, they say it doesn't bring happiness, or it doesn't yes, bring. Yes, a, yes, yes. Uh, as the whole spirit of the age has developed that way. Uh, but did it exist before? Well, that I don't know. But people at least thought it existed. I mean, they believed in religion, and they gave their religion high value. And some people felt that there was something sacred. We don't know, but some people may have had it. <clears throat> but people in general were ready to say that the sac that religion or the sacred was important. But now the whole situation has totally changed, changed. except for those who want to go back to it. Of course, that's impossible. So is this rather futile subject to discuss? Well, I don't know, but I'm trying to say that that's why people are not really very uh, you know, taken with the questioner, you know, that, that nobody... Uh, if you want to, say, to discuss the sacred, see, the point is, first of all, to make it clear you know, what, what is it? How do we, you know, what does it mean? Uh, since you say the religions don't have it. No, of course not. That couldn't brush her aside. Surely it, it begins with the self not being important. The what? The self, the me. Yeah. It must begin there. Mustn't it? This colossal egotism, the self, the importance of pick the sense of freedom. I must do what I want to do, and this self-centeredness, which is becoming more and more. Yes. Now, usually people make a distinction between the sacred and the worldly. You see, they, they would have to say that the what is worldly is to put the self first, right? That you see, they say. I don't quite follow. See, people say there is the holy, or the sacred, and the worldly, the uh, the sacred and the secular. Sacred and secular, yes. And the secular is regarded as the affairs, the ordinary affairs of the world, which are I run know. by thought. I know. Right? Now, one has to establish a connection and saying, why are they egotistic? You see, why are they self-centered? Right? Well, I think that's fairly simple. Because at first it seems, you see, there are people in the world who cooperate, for example, to produce these things we discussed. But 
uh, not everybody sees immediately that the that that the question of the sacred is again the question of self-centeredness. Yes. Yeah. I'm just. Yeah. I'm asking whether it is because we are all becoming more and more self-centered, and therefore losing the other. And what is one to do? Mm-hmm. See, it, it, just to clear it up a little bit, say if you take the communists, for example, see their original purpose was against this self-centeredness too, like Karl Marx said. See, he was saying we must have a a, a society which is human, which is not self-centered. Oh, that's... That's just a theory. Yeah, well, right, but then it's important to see what is the difference. You see that, that but he was saying that the religion, the religious view was just a theory, you see. Of course. So, this is also a theory. Yeah, so let's, let's try to look at it to say that many people have felt that self-centeredness was not the way to live, and they tried religion or they tried communism or something. Now, see, can we focus on what really is involved? Oh, I think it's fairly simple. <coughs> Isn't it? Mm. The identification of the self with the non-self, the state, mm-hmm. the religious, or self, is still self-centered activity. Yes, but even Marx would have agreed with you there. He said the state must wither away. But of course. But it won't. It won't. <laughs> I mean, see, in some way he was overlooking something about human, the human nature. Which is the psychological structure of human nature. Yes, that's the which, key question. That right? is the real thing. That's the mm. thing which they have mostly overlooked, right? Yeah. Like Freud looked at it, but possibly he didn't go very deep. Deeply, no. What is one to do? I feel personally very strongly about it. I may be, it may be an illusion, it may be something a thought has projected that there is something sacred, and so on. But when one examined it very closely and very carefully, one, one knows deeply that there is something beyond all this thought, right? Which is sacred. For myself, I feel that very strongly. Now, is it com- but I don't know that it's commonly felt. You see, people don't commonly feel that there is something. No, of course not. No. Now, if a man feels that, and there is this society going down the hill, human beings are becoming more and more confused, violent, and so on, what is what is he to do? As a scientist, you must see that too. You may not call it sacred. You may use another word to uh, to indicate what I'm talking about. Yes, well. Yeah. And what would you do? <coughs>
as a scientist, to you personally, if I may ask, since you have examined matter and gone into all that, if you felt or realised there is something immense, something infinite, Mm -hmm. how would you Help another to bring to to bring this about. Yes. Apparently, moment we we can only cooperate. thousands of us together to build a space shuttle, right? Well, yes, I think that the reason that cooperation is possible is that there is a a well-organized structure of uh, thought which is highly orderly. Yes, highly orderly. Which which really is correct, I mean, not just invented, but... No, no, it's correct, we agree. Yeah, and people have confidence in it. And they are ready to learn. It's not a fixed structure. They it's open. They can learn more. And there's enough confidence in it so that people can know that. So are yeah. you saying <coughs> that there is no confidence in the other? No, I think people have no confidence at all in the other. At all. No. They can't trust their lives to that. You see, they will trust their lives to the shuttle. You see. Right. <laughs> Suppose one is greatly concerned with what's happening in the world, and concerned about the psychological deterioration. And it's only in cooperation to end psychological deterioration. Mm -hmm. And also one sees the danger in cooperation. Because then we all get with about an idea, about a project, about Mm -hmm. an end to be gained, an end to be (coughs) achieved, and so on and so on. One sees the danger of that peculiar type of cooperation, One inevitably comes to the point, what is a human being who feels about this very passionately, what is he to do? Just talk endlessly? That doesn't do anything. There is somebody in India who does so-called miracles. And 
as I was told, if you stood for Parliament, you would for, um, for political, he would become probably uh, go beyond Miss Gandhi. Yeah. yeah. Because he's so damn popular. Because he doesn't say he's God. That's, to them, that's sacred. Which is sheer nonsense, of course. I wonder if we are. Well, being what, a dead horse. Well, <laughs> well, the question is, you know, how you want to have cooperation on this question, you see. That I see the danger of it too. It's dangerous because people have done it. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so, is it. Only possible for one, one or two people. It seems so ridiculous. You see, there are several barriers. You see, one barrier is that there's a general belief among many of the people who are concerned that by rational thought alone, these we can do something, you know, that people will have confidence and they might take the success of the shuttle as an example, saying that we should solve our human problems by rational thought also, right? Are all human problems settled by the, by the shuttle? No, but I mean, it, some people feel that way, that a similar... See, you can read the journals, the scientific journals, and see that they say if we get enough knowledge of human beings, and we will do as well with human problems as we did with the shuttle. Shuttle, quite, quite. So everything will work perfectly. Uh, yes, uh, I was wondering, I was wondering about that too, this morning right. when I heard it, that human beings will say all our problems will be solved by the computer. Well, I think not just by the computer, but by learning, by gaining more and more knowledge about the human being. The computer will be a help, but uh, see, I think the attitude is not so simple as to let the computer do it, but uh, to say that we, <clears throat> well, it's open ended, we can keep on learning. Learning what? About human nature. Uh, see, we learned about the way matter moves, right? Right. And we could get the thing to work. But human nature is very simple. Why, what, what is there to learn more well, and more and more? We're not convinced that it's so simple, it seems very complicated. You know, that such complicated problems arise between human beings and, you know, it's so difficult, there's, you know, there's difficulties in education, there's so much crime, there's so much violence, there's so much unhappiness and people can't work together. And so, so there are some people who feel that, that if we knew more about how people functioned, the brain or else, you know, the mind functioned, that we could eventually make things work better. I've read several articles recently with that that view in mind, right? So I think that's one of the barriers, that some of the people who are interested already, who might be interested, already believe that this other approach is the right one. You see, that they don't see any reason why you want to bring in the sacred. See, how would you talk to such a person? I wouldn't talk to them about sacred. What would you say? 
I would say the ending of selfishness. All right, yes. Well, they might say, by studying human beings more carefully, scientifically, we would find out, you know, what makes them selfish. Oh, that, <laughs> I think that's fairly simple. Well, what would you say What makes that? them selfish? Right, well, how would you go about it? It gives them great pleasure. Well, Though it has its problems, mm-hmm. being self-centered gives them a certain sense of um, importance, certain sense of mm-hmm. security, and so on, so on, so on. It's fairly simple. I don't yeah. have to investigate tremendously into that. Well, I think people would say, uh, how could we establish right human relationships, you see, that, uh, accepting that the people want pleasure. Yes. People want pleasure. Yes, and now some scientists would say, let's try to find a way for people to have pleasure without creating this chaos. <laughs> Oh, I see. Quite, quite. Let's have pleasure. Let's pursue pleasure. Reasonable pleasure. Reasonable pleasure without creating chaos in the world. I think many people are thinking that way, you know, that uh, they would hope to do that. Are they really? Yes, I think so. They would hope to create a reasonably happy life, saying not just pleasure, but, you know, uh, good relationships and a certain amount of pleasure and not too much pain and... They would say by bringing, by understanding what it is between people that makes all the trouble, we could get rid of it. You know, just as we got rid of troubles in, in other areas, got rid of disease or got rid of, uh, we may hope to get rid of cancer. Then. Cancer, I understand all that. <coughs> so that is a matter of pleasurable relationship without the pain of relationship. Yes, or some, even something deeper than pleasure, but trying by means of rational knowledge to bring order into human relationship, you see, even perhaps having something more than pleasure, you know, they're not so... Rational order in relationship is not giving importance to oneself. Yes, I'm not sure they would all accept that. They would say to give the right order, the right importance to yourself, not too much, right? But, see, I'm trying to say, if we're trying to communicate with people, these are the kind of confused I questions this, you get into. I we're, we're quite familiar with all this. Yeah, and uh, if you just communicate directly and talk about the sacred and getting rid of selfishness, then only a very few people are going to listen. Yes, I know this. Uh, Does it matter? Well, I don't know, but... In some way, there has to be a change to prevent this chaos, the catastrophe. You see, we are in very great danger. I know this. We all know this. Because of technology. You see, if we were at the level of people hitting each other with clubs, it wouldn't be so dangerous. No, No, they've got guns. Yeah, much worse, you know, hydrogen bombs. Hydrogen bombs and all the rest of it. We all know this. And you see, somehow there, it seems we... We feel the need for something to happen that would uh, at least deflect this catastrophe and giving people time to, yes, in some way, uh, giving the uh, for something else to happen. No, that, that. And the time does not solve the problem. No, but if we annihilate our civilization now, then then all possibility would vanish for a long time. If we say have a nuclear war now. And, I, do you really think there will be a nuclear war? It's not impossible, no. 
You know, you see people can't control this. And uh, you, you saw already that uh, certain computer errors made people believe that possibly there was an attack. You know, they checked the computer and so on, but it's very uh, <laughs> close. You know, it, it, it isn't so bad yet, but, you know, the general prognosis for East-West relations Look, is not good, right? We know all this. Yeah. Hmm? You and I have talked a mm-hmm. great deal about all this. And generally, fairly informed people know all this. Right? They all also know all the psychological complexities. <clears throat> and uh, the psychologists and all the others are trying to understand human nature. Mm-hmm. And the brain specialists, as you we've talked, they also are examining the the nature of the brain, etc., etc. They have theories, and some believe that maybe they could do something that would uh, make yeah, people better, right? Better. Operate on them, or whatever. Or change, make a drug. Yeah, or... yeah, take a drug and so on. In the meantime, if there is any meantime, man is, is destroying himself. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's all I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, there is a, certainly a, among many people a feeling that things are going downhill and, and not merely the danger of nuclear war, but a general, general decay in civilization. Yes. yes. And this decay, I mean, can that be stopped? Yes. Apparently, no drugs, no technological advancement. Mm. No uh, psychological investigation into the whole nature of man hasn't done that either, nor uh, worshipping an external, um, no, not an external, worshipping something that thought has created that hasn't solved the problem. Politicians can't solve the problem, not this. So, what is a man to do? Man, that he's an ordinary, average man who has knows all about this. Well, I was wondering if it's possible for a creative impulse. You see, like I think there's a man called Toynbee who, some time ago, Toynbee, said that yes. great civilizations have started from early impulses that were highly creative, and they flowered and then decayed. Yes, yeah, and, right. uh, Now, would it be possible that something would? That's what I. I'm, to mm. me, that that feeling of sacredness mm-hmm. is the origin of this. Yes. Mm. Yes, I you feel that way, but how can you communicate that that is really... No, I see. don't think it can be communicated through argument, through words, through mm-hmm. analysis, through all that. I think it can be communicated if both of us are really inquiring into it. We know all the uh-huh. decay and all. Let's forget all that for the moment. If you and I could investigate or explore what it is that's really sacred. Because if that is the origin that gives one the tremendous 
sin, passion and energy. That's, that's the new thing, new culture and so on. How would you and I explore this? Not go back over and over again, technology, you know, religions have failed every man and so on and so on. Let's put aside all that. We know that very well. We are quite familiar with all that. How would I explore it? Or it's not not a matter of exploration at all. Because is it merely a matter of feeling it comes? A feeling? Feeling. That's it. very dangerous. Yeah. It can be, uh, ah, it can be know, deceptive. Uh, deception, dishonesty, illusion, and the desire involved in it, and so on and so on. We can brush that also aside, which you, we are taking drastic steps already. <laughs> How, how does this thing flower? He, they have said, be silent, contemplate, uh, meditate, sack, give up, mm-hmm. all that. That hasn't worked either. Well, it seems that in some periods of man's history there was a kind of natural feeling of that kind which began to flower yes. and that it gradually began to decay later. And there's a sort of a vigor in the early civilizations. Oh, yes. And, uh, but what is that sort of vigor energy? I should think that. Huh? <clears throat> I don't think it's it's it is a it belongs to one person. Follow me. Uh-huh. If several of us had this feeling, which is would have tremendous energy and passion and all the rest of it, but apparently we don't. So I'm just been wondering. What is one to do? If you had that passion and that sense of infinite something sacred, how would you tell me about it so that I would have instantly the same? flame that is behind it. That's really a question, not allowing time and all that stuff that does that does enter into it. I think time is the enemy of man. Mm. Whether it is slow time or 
etc., etc., and we'll talk about time. But See, I, it seems to me that the thought becomes fixed in, in certain patterns or certain limits, and then the vigor, the energy is gone because people, no, 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 no one feels that it's possible to now you know that. go outside of that. Now, uh, we've talked about the insight, yeah. which is not of time and all that. We understand all that, either intellectually or we we feel there is such a thing, but that is not the answer. I wonder. Suppose X feels this thing very strongly. Is it possible to pass it on to another? To pass it. To say, look, give it to another. Or communicate it so profoundly. That it he captures it, it is in him. You know what I mean? See, there are so many explanations the scientific explanations, psychological explanations, technology, and so on, why man has come to this point. And I all right, I, that's understood. I don't want to go back into all that, go into minute details of explanation. That's it's become wearisome. What is one to do? You can't go back to tradition. back to the Buddhist and the ancient Hindu idea of the Bodhisattva, taking a bow in all that business. Shana of those myths that man creates 
we are caught in that, go beyond all that. Does, is there anyone willing to go beyond all that? Total abandonment of everything that thought has really created, including the computer and including the spaceship. <laughs> And including thought which has created the me. Is anybody willing to go beyond all that? That is the real problem. See what what is happening as far as I have been able to observe or be wrong, we are so terribly satisfied with explanations. You know what I mean? The brain specialist give me information why we are like this and somebody else. And this information may be also a danger. Yes, well, that, that's a point you see, one could discuss because uh, one may say, okay, we, we have to go beyond the thought of the me or the thought that gives rise to the me, but it's not so clear what you mean, why we should have to go beyond any other form of thought. Or whether the other form of thought is not part of the... Oh, no, that's, that's the danger of it, of course. Well, uh, First of all, can, that, can thought stop? I mean, we know thought can operate in the, uh, as a computer and the spaceship and all the rest of surgery. But I'm not, we're not talking about that kind of... That, well, the thought of the me, thought. you're talking of the thought that generates the me. Me. The consciousness of the me, right? Yes. And also that as long as that is there, the other kind of thought cannot bring order to the me. You see, that's the real question. That yes, yes, yes. Uh, thought cannot bring order. Because thought itself is limited, finite, and its actions must be limited, and on, so on, so on. It's so clear. Is it that? Human, human beings are incapable, basically, of letting go the self. Well, that's a question. There's no way to answer it. Uh, to know that, huh? there's no way to know to know the answer to that. I mean, to Apparently, say, they have not done it. And that's a, yeah, but it doesn't follow from that that it's basically impossible. I mean. Not always the first time. No, that it cannot always self 
Well, what has happened? What have, you know? What is ne- absolutely no, necessary? No, it's happened only very, 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 yeah. to very few people. Yes. Well, I mean, we'll say it's extremely difficult. That's uh, very unlikely, but it doesn't show it's impossible. All right. If you say all right, it, it may be possible. It may be possible. But apparently, it hasn't happened. happened. Yeah. Now, uh, because uh, you know, the me obviously is. Uh, dominating the whole consciousness. See, if you ask to, to abandon the me, and then the, while the me dominates consciousness, it's not so clear what, what is has of to come so. about, right? Of course so. <laughs> uh, But I, uh, some seem to me could say that, you see, there is a kind of thought which runs on its own, you know, without insight, which we call the me, and that is basically memory, you see. Of course. Now, but it doesn't seem to be memory only because it presents itself as much more, you know, as some kind of a, a real existence of the me. Right? You know, and of the whole, and of being truth. That's it? And that's the way it seems. You see that the thought of the me seems to, to be truth, you see. This is the way it looks when... The when me it, is true, of course. Why? The me is very real. It's real and uh, it seems real and it seems that the thought about it is true, you see. Yes, yes, yes. But that that me is the cause of all this mischief. Yes, but it, if the me were there in the sense which it seems to be, there would be nothing you could do about it. I mean, if it were real and true, you could say, what can you do? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what? No. The, the, only if there's something, if in some way it's an illusion, is there any possibility? It is an illusion. Yes. Now, why do you say it's an illusion? Oh, we've been... <laughs> yeah, but, you see, it doesn't seem to be an illusion to people who are caught in it, you see. that This is the difficulty, that it is not obviously an illusion, you see. If you, if the magician does a trick, and when he shows you how the trick is done, you know it's an illusion, right? But here it's not obvious what it, that it's an illusion. Why isn't it obvious? Because we are so attached to it. Yeah, but we can you see. We can explain again. Yeah. We can go into yeah. all that, but that doesn't lead anywhere after that explanation. Well, I think that what happens is that the memory is, you know, maybe an explanation. But the memory is so active that. Uh, there's no chance for yes, sir, anything else to happen. Yes, that comes the same thing. Yeah. At the end, after that same memory is the real cause of this, all right, so how am I to end memory? <clears throat> and they've tried that taking drugs. Is it that is only possible for the few? Well, I wouldn't know. I mean, how can you tell? Because very few people are willing to let go of the self. 
I mean in the deepest sense of the word, not translated or transmuted or identify it with something greater. I don't mean all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's equally you could say that very few are able to. That, I mean, if you say willing, it, it seems to be a matter of choice. Right? Yes. But you know, if, you want, well, if one can do it, actually do it, mm-hmm. not theoretically or, you know, all that. Well, that's certainly been true so, so far, that very few are able... Even few, I mean, not very many even want to do it. Of course, of course. But even among those who want to do it, very few are able. To gradually reduce it to the very, very, very few, Hmm. which seems not right either. So one throws up one's hands and says, humanity is lost. Mm. And I reti- one, re- says, uh, one retires into the Himalayas, into some monastery. And that's the end of it. That isn't right either. I think probably it doesn't it all reduce to again it becomes an explanation words. Mm. That we will, uh, that there is no compassion. So again you see mm. <laughs> Well it comes to the same thing to say that the uh, uh, Suppose you had it, you have this sense of immense, infinite sacredness, infinite, timeless existence, state, or whatever it would be. Could you communicate it to me? Not verbally, because that you explained, explained, explained. Could you? By your very presence, transform my consciousness. You know what I'm talking about? Is that possible? 
They say it's possible. But it is the, their possibility, as far as I've been observed, very, very limited. Mm-hmm. The vision of Christ, the vision of Krishna, you know, all that business. I personally I don't feel it is hopeless. Mm. I don't one doesn't feel discouraged of all that silly things. It has to be I don't it has to take place in people. Well what do you mean by has to? I mean That it's going to, or that it will? It must. I mean, are you saying it's going to happen? After 60 years, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, if you say it has to, in the sense that uh, order is required for happiness or order for goodness. It seems to me that if you could communicate the unreality of this center, you see, what has that the center appears or to be extremely, as we're saying, real and solid, and then you are saying, well, the center has to go; that it's not really there, and so on. And uh, I'm saying that people. It doesn't communicate with that confidence. Yes, but I'm saying it doesn't communicate with that confidence that you say. I mean, Hmm. Hmm. you are a scientist. You have Mm -hmm. examined so on, so on. Don't you personally? I'm using word feel. It's not the right word. That there is something Hmm. not. Invented by thought, not something illusory, not something mm-hmm. uh, conjured up, and so on. Something absolutely incorruptible. Something, you know, like that.
Yeah, so I, I feel also that, generally speaking, you could think that the brain has been damaged in some way. Uh, oh, it's obviously been damaged. It's like somebody once told me that uh, they had a theory about the damage. Epileptics might, epilepsy might be due to some early brain damage of a few cells, and yes, yes, it goes off yes, into some complicated yes, movement. Yes. Now, and see, there's an interesting thing about epilepsy that. Uh, Somebody has made by he's put probes into the brain with a, a radio transmitter yes, on top connected yes, to a yes. computer. Now he can detect the epileptic fit starting in the computer, and it feeds an impulse back to stop it. Oh, quite, quite. So um, I wonder if the self isn't something like that that it uh, it starts to build up. Of course, it starts to build up like this epileptic yes, fit, but yes. it doesn't go so far as to destroy consciousness. Altogether. No, uh, all right. Yeah. You give me that explanation. Yes. What am and I'm stuck there. So explanations yes, have well, done nothing. The quite one question is whether you can give attention. It's possible to attend to this build up. You know, as instead of the computer attending to it and stopping it, is it possible the brain can give attention to its own? Of course it can. Yeah, well, that seems that seems to be the key to it. That you see that what happens is that uh, this thing starts to take over in a way a person is no more conscious of than the epileptic. You see, quite, quite, quite. And uh, but if he gives attention, he doesn't need the computer to stop it. You know, quite. But no computer would stop the ego. <laughs> <laughs> no computer. No. No. Uh, But this, you know, have people having lived in this chaotic world from the birth, the brain has been damaged. You see, I think it has been damaged by belief, belief, and similar. There's many other things, many similar things, and shocks that people have had. And, uh, yeah, shock, pain. Mm-hmm. You know, one can see. They say that if. People go through shocks like death of somebody or divorce or various things. This is a very serious disorder. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I know. And uh, now... uh, I mean, is there... Now, this is a different question, perhaps. Can the brain ever be in a state of not being shocked? Mm Well, I, yes, I'm sure it can if, if uh, there is uh, this attention and uh, you know to which yeah, doesn't allow it to develop. It's exactly what was done by the computer to stop the epileptic fit before it got started. <laughs> it's quite, quite, quite. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's all very similar. But of course, the brain can observe itself with far greater subtlety than a computer can. <laughs> that means right. all. Human beings have been damaged. Yes, I think so. Yes, I'm, in fact, I feel sure of that. Generally speaking, they're damaged. You see. Yes, yes. They've all believed, they've all had um, shocks, emotional yeah. shocks, mm-hmm. divorce, war, suffering. Yes, and you can see that that people who have gone through concentration camps have been, you know, you can tell that they, I know, something I know, has happened to the brain. Yes, yeah, I know. Um, so, now the brain has to heal itself. And, 
That we, that means time. No, because you see, I think I said when we discussed before. I said the brain is infinite. Yes. If all right, the brain Maybe is it's infinite, infinite right? and it has been shocked. Mm-hmm. And a shocked brain cannot apprehend or understand the infinite. Then what happens to the brain? To the human being who is who has lived and dies in great shocks, beliefs, and all the rest of it. Put chapisen, you follow? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, again, it comes to the notion that some <laughs> few have have not been shocked so badly. Yeah, exactly. Most human beings are terribly shocked, wounded. I don't, such a brain, can it be healed? Or can we educate ourselves not to be shocked? Not by taking drugs and all that stuff, resisting and be completely... Enclosed. I don't mean. Yeah, well, I understand that. There are two questions. One is not to be shocked. The other, what about the shocks that already have already been have. done? Yes, already have happened. And now, would the one, if you understood what it was not to be shocked, would that also help heal the shocks which are there? I think it would. Yeah, that's an important. That point. is the important point. You see that. I think the person, if we talked about a brain which is not, which can never be shocked. If one can, uh, if can understand that, I think mm-hmm. the shock brain would be out of it. Would, would, be heal, would heal the shocks which yeah. are already there, yeah. you see, because it wouldn't be shocked by whatever yeah. is recorded yeah. in the brain. Yes. I think that's the principle that if the brain is not shocked, is, is free of shocking, then it cannot be shocked by the recordings yes, that's of right. memory. That's right. By the very bad memories. Well, first of all, why does the brain get shocked? Yeah. Because in a way it's not alert, you know, it's not ready for what happens. It's not set up to deal with what happens. It's not only set up what's not to happen, but culture may have destroyed it. Well, that's one reason it's not set up ready, because culture has produced fixed uh, ideas, right? fixed I mean, beliefs. The right? whole... No fixed habits. Hmm. See, if a person has a fixed habit of thinking or action, then he's not ready for the unexpected. Right? It comes and it, oh, it shocks him. Now he, he's confidently moving along in his accustomed way, and something else happens that overturns everything. He's of course, of course. Then the brain dis- damages itself. <clears throat> Are we saying that we talked about or emphasized educate ourselves to that quality of a brain 
that is not capable of being shot. Then those brains which have been shot, their their damage would disappear because they understand the other. Yes, well, I think that is true. That if the brain is able to meet any shock. See, the danger of memory is that it will produce shocks again and again. Right? Of course, of course, of course. Because you don't know how to meet them, you see. But if you know how to meet the shock, then the memory shock is no different from the shock of the original, right? We go back again to the question of not registering, not mm-hmm. recording shocks. Mm-hmm. Not recording the death of my son. Yes, well, let's be. That sounds dreadful. Yes, it's hard to see that. Of course, of course. Anyway, we say that this happens and we know it happens, but uh, what does it mean to record it? You see, this is. We can go into that. Yeah, how do you prevent recording? It's not very clear. You see, it seems that the brain is set up to record all this, everything that happens. I know. Not to record is to stay with that which is happening without any in, without any movement away from it. Well, that's not clear. The connection, you see, for example, in walking through this room, you register where the furniture is and so on. Of course, that doesn't seem to cause any trouble. No, no. Now, there's some things you register which are emotional shocks, and they are entirely different, right? So, uh, see, death, yeah. uh, psychological demand for security, psychological sense of uh, having no fear, and so on, and so on. Those are the factors that create damage. Yeah, they're very intense factors. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> they overload the brain, but. And they destroy the cells. The, the memory of them overloads the brain. Yeah. Yeah, yes. That's what I mean. That if if they are recorded, then when the record is replayed and replayed again and again, it gets stronger each time it's replayed, and recorded again. Of course. So it becomes very strong, and then begins to damage the brain. It's like an electronic piece of electronic equipment that's overloaded. It can be damaged. Damage, quite. Uh, now. So you see, in terms of the computers, they would say that, it, that the hardware can be damaged when the thing is overloaded, right? Then. Right. But the brain has, is able to heal its hardware, whereas in the computer you should get another part to replace it. <laughs> uh, If you say, let's not record, we must not record these emotional events, right? Yes. I don't think it, it functions that way. Right. That don't let's record. Right, let's see how it functions. I don't think... If one sees the, the truth or have an insight in not yeah. recording, it's finished. She back again, come to it. Well. 
Or what is the nature of this insight? I mean, this <laughs> we know it. There is nothing to time, memory, perception. It has to do with entirely with perception, without the observer and so on. Yeah. Well, I mean, the essence of the thing is to say, see, to make it at least plausible, to say that there is no point to recording this emotional event. It has no play. You know, there is no reason to. At first sight, it seems you should record. You see, our culture says you should record it. Of course, of course. And they say, and then live with it. If you don't show grief when somebody dies, they say something is wrong and so on. You see, they say you should record it. Of course, loyalty and you know yeah. all the rest. Of so, course. and there's a great deal of belief now. But, but uh, to a certain extent, it would help to question all these cultural uh, uh, factors. See, we have said just now, if we could educate ourselves, in course, not to be shocked, either we become very hard, no, we don't mean that. No, that. I don't mean that, of course, of course. That's true. Then we, we say, how am I to educate myself to have no shocks of any kind? Well, I think I would, I would begin by questioning the thoughts which make me accept the notion that, uh, that I should record these shocks, you see, that that I've, I've had a great deal of conditioning to that effect. Right? Of course I will. Yeah. But I, I know, for example, uh, I can remember, see, I, when I was young, see, I was led, educated to believe that if I hurt myself, you know, if you, anything happens to the body, you must become very disturbed and shocked, so I used you know, because my parents would become that way too, right? Yes, Hysterical, yes, so. yes. And then I remember once I cut off a large part of my fingernail and I was very worried and <laughs> my uncle came in. He was very matter-of-fact and he just, by his very manner, he communicated to me that there's no point to it, worrying about it. All the fear disappeared, you see. Yeah, quite, quite, quite. And uh, I could see at that moment that fear was not you necessary. See, right? Physical fear of bodily hurt is one thing. Yeah. That's fairly simple and fairly easy. But the principle not is similar. Similar, but psychologically not to record. But it's the same principle. It's the same principle, but it's not possible with people. Well, I think that it, once it may be possible if people could see that the principle is the same, you see that. Because people also, our culture makes a big division between the psychological and of the course, physical. Of course, of course. We're back in the same old... Yeah. Uh. How is one to cultivate shock-proof brain? <laughs> Well, it can't be cultivated and requires uh-huh. inside it. <laughs> yeah, I think that it, if you had education, see, the, the teachers, if they had this, could communicate it to the pupils by their very manner of uh, dealing with things, you see, as I found my uncle did. See, the children would pick this up. Uh, 
But the important point is to get it started. We should not pay too much attention to getting hurt. Yeah. But I think once you have some people who are not paying much attention to it, others start to learn it. Know that they see it too, right? But, uh, they get insight too, right? But our whole culture is to pay attention. Yes. But at some stage you have to question the culture. Uh, I mean, uh, can't we... That's what we are trying to do now. Yeah. Not trying, we are doing it now. I'm, at, I'm asking myself, if my brain is, is wounded in any way, <laughs> probably I've had many shocks, but somehow they have not been recorded. Or I may be deceiving myself, but I don't think I am. But I think that the notion of not recording stands almost stands by itself, uh, independent of whatever may have happened to you. I mean, it makes too much. It makes sense. You see, yes, uh, that uh, uh, you can, one can see that the minute you start to record it, and then it replays oh, and comes back and builds up. You see it. And such things happen in the electronic equipment, they call it feedback. Now. Say that the, uh, there's a, some simple electrochemical error that starts to take place that starts to damage the brain, you see. No, what is the factor that would prevent the brain being damaged? Well, not to allow the shock to build up, you see. Not to, All right, not to build up. And that, that means not recording it. No, yet. that means not recording. All right, wait, wait, let's stop there a minute. Is it possible not to record? Well, that means to stop the activity of memory, you see, to, to make it subside, right? Or is there some other factor? Is it, I don't want to use these words, is it not to be identified? Yes. Um, with the body? With or, the form? Or with the mind, right? Or the with the mind, or with the incident that's or the feelings, right? taking place, which is hurting, not to identify yourself with it. Yes, well, if you say you're not identified with the feelings of the body or the mind, right? Yes, I'm saying that. Yes. Now, would you say that you, well, we should clear this up a little bit? You say I am not identified. Does that mean that I am there but free of it? You see. No. No. You're not there. No, well, that's important because <laughs> when you say I'm not identified, it still leaves me yeah, there. Of course, of course, of course. But there's no identification at all. It is not identified by thought, right? That's why, sir. That's that's what is important in mm -hmm. this. You 
sense of no fulfillment, no identification, and the lack of identity, you know, roots and all that kind of thing. Yes, well, that's you know that's part of our culture. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Identity means you know literally being always the same. You see that? <laughs> yes, right? yes. That this is always necessary. See, if you say that I'm the body, I'm always the body. You see? Of course, of course. And without it, there's no me. Right? And now, you see, that's look at. There's a tremendous uh, recording of. No, we've not only recorded shocks and pain and so on, but we have also recorded the notion, the necessity of identifying. Right? Of course, of course. That's also part of the. Part of the. <laughs> so therefore, uh, why does one identify with a nation, with this, the, the other thing? Why? Of course, obviously, it gives you security. Gives you a sense of permanency. Uh, it gives you, um, you have roots somewhere. And we are cutting at the very root of it. Can one live daily life without any identification with a profession, with a belief, with so that the brain <coughs> is never shocked? I think it is possible, of course. Yes, it's identification that holds the brain in a fixed rut, which makes it unable to meet something new, and it gets yeah, shocked. And, uh, so I'm asking, is it possible to live in the modern world, daily life, without any identification? Of course, the average man says, what nonsense are you talking about, and all the rest of it. But a, a serious man who's gone into all this pretty thoroughly. When he puts that question to himself, of course he can. And what makes you say that of course he can? <laughs> Either it's a personal fact or An acceptance of an idea which has become a fact. What do you mean has become a fact? I can accept some idea and mm-hmm. work at it, say I'm that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I, that you can brush it aside completely. I, it is possible. Of course it's possible. Mm-hmm. A soldier who goes 
to war. And he has no identity there at that moment. He has, because he has no responsibility. Well, it's not clear, you know, maybe he may, they often have fear and so on. Of course, no, but feeling that, you know, he's not himself, Mm -hmm. because he's consumed with this urge to kill. I say he has no personal identity, at least it's it's overridden at that moment. Yes, at that moment, that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And also, when a missionary goes through all these, uh, goes through terrible periods and so on, he's for him the person, the identity doesn't exist. But he, his identity, he has identified himself with Jesus mm-hmm. or with X, Y. Yes. Well, you know, the the point is to, that the whole movement of memory. Her identification would has to stop, you know. Now, I like your sister. Uh, I don't think they see the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. The beauty of non being identified. Just mean one lives anonymously. Mm. <laughs> it's not fixed. It's huh? not, you're not fixed to anything. Yes. You see, because to identify, we have to be always the same. And, and of course, see. of course. Yeah. Now, if something changes, then you're ready for it. You're able to meet it because your mind is not fixed on the past. Yes. So it doesn't get shot. I mean, I think... Which means to have a quality of brain that has never identified itself with anything. And... Incapable, therefore incapable of, of getting hurt, but also some other factor there is in that. If it is infinite as it is, then time doesn't exist. And therefore the person doesn't exist. See the, the illusion that I am, I am because I'm identified. Mm-hmm. Now let's get it more clear. You see, I am because of, you begin to identify because of time, because you say I must that's be always I'm, the yes, same. That's right? what so I'm you have already presupposed time yes, in order that, to identify. That's right. If you're not identified, then what? Then you don't have to presuppose time. Right? Time, that's right. Uh, you see, I think the trap of identification comes when people say, well, begin to think about time in the future, and they see insecurity, and then they try to think, I'm always the same, secure, right? I overcome quite, quite. time. But if you don't bring in time, then... Therefore, hmm. death has a different meaning. Yeah, what, what would you say to that? <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? Death has no meaning then. I identified myself with this body, mm-hmm. with all the memories and shocks and all the rest of it, 
the brain damaged, then death becomes a terrible shock. It's another shock. Yeah, the biggest one. <laughs> terrible one. Mm-hmm. But if there is no identification at all, and therefore no, a brain which is un, which cannot be shocked, death is death is nothing. This has no meaning, really, actually. Thank God we're going too far. Yeah. Well, suppose we go back to the question of time, you see, which, you know, man has somehow <clears throat> taken up time, which, has a, which is useful, and extended it into the psychological domain. Of course. And now, uh, that has caused his <clears throat> a lot of his misery, because <clears throat> he sees the future and he's afraid what's going to happen? Things can get worse, right? Uh, I can be hurt, would, right? I understand. Would anybody listen to this? Yeah. Well, possibly so. I don't know. You see, it's very so hard, right? Imagine this. Huh? Anybody who's in business, any mm. priest, <coughs> the Pope, the, the ordinary man who who's full of his my house, my property, my wife, my business, all that being repeated over and over and over again for a million years. Would he even listen to this? Or he's already so damaged. That only as the as the as you were saying, epileptic fit in the computer. The computer removes the epileptic fit yeah, because yeah. it stops it from developing. Right? But this is too complex for a computer. Quite, quite. <laughs> uh, I can't go to the computer and say, clean my brain, please. <laughs> uh, well, what I, what, Very interesting, sir. Hmm. To have a brain that is has no has never known a shock. It's marvelous. There's great depth in this. I must work it out. Yes, I think that you know one has to be careful not to see that that brings in time in some sense. Uh, it's never you see that. I've never. I've, I mean, oh, I, the brain which um, has not been shocked. Yes, it is an unshocked brain. That yeah. doesn't mean that it may. If it has been shocked, that shock has of gone, right? Uh, as if it had never been, right? Of course. But uh, no, a brain that is n- not capable of being yeah, shocked. A brain that cannot be shocked. Shocked, yes. Uh, and uh, therefore, any shocks that it once may have had are as if they had never been, right? Because it cannot be shocked by past shocks. Right? Yes. Uh, You see, one may have had a shock, or one has a shock, and one says, I'll cut it out. But that is, mm. that's not it. No. I'll go and um, I'll shut it out by thinking about something else. Well, you see, I think that this computer analogy is, is interesting, because what it does is it... Uh, it makes a movement which prevents the 
shock from developing, the fit mm. from developing. So the, the slightest sign that it's starting to move toward a fit, the computer makes a move and it turns it the other way. <laughs> so the thing is ironed out, as they say. Now, the, the point is that before the brain is shocked, there's an alertness, awareness, which Antis, as it were, already uh, deals with that, so it doesn't build up, it doesn't register, as you say. But I can't carry a computer about no, with me but, all but my the life. brain is infinite. It already has this. <laughs> the brain has the supercomputer in it already. No? Do scientists accept the brain is infinite? Probably not. You see, no. except you see maybe a few. Are. But uh, uh, I mean, it depends on this. That the that the, the brain is potentially capable of of doing this. You see. Yes. Yes. And if, if you say the brain is finite, then it will, there will always be something that goes beyond what it can do, right? Yeah, we, are, are we asking to be not shocked, to be totally attentive. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what this computer is doing with the yeah, course, right? It's paying careful attention to exactly how the electric currents are going. I mean, see, it's not verbal. It's not at the verbal level, but at another level. Yes, yes. What time is it? I've got five minutes to six. Five o'clock? Five to six. is free from shocks. It's only such a brain can find what the uh, yeah. the origin of all that. The ancient Hindus have said, don't identify yourself with the body. Don't identify yourself with your house, with your wife. But identify yourself with God. You know, you know the whole cycle of it. Now, what about Buddha who said everything changes? changes There's no identity, right? Buddha said that. Yeah. But he said it, but now, of course. I mean, they worship Buddha is permanent. Yeah, he's permanent. <laughs> <laughs> moment you say, I'm a Buddhist, I was finished. 
I've got a brain which is not shocked. <laughs> Very interesting question then. Better stop, don't you? That means, sir, brain must be always in a state of movement without any identification and then it cannot be shocked. A river can't be shocked. A river is moving. That's true. You see, you can sort of break a piece of rock. I say a piece of rock can be shattered by a shock, but a river not. No, of course not. A river can't. 